Gates. Mystery. Monsters. Mayhem. The other day I made uh, more pizzas, uh -huh. stovetop pizzas, Yeah. and uh, Laura had bought me that Trader Joe's pizza mm. seasoning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea is you take that pizza seasoning and you put it on other stuff to yes. make it taste like pizzas. Like fries. <clears throat> right. Uh, I put it on the pizza. Double pizza. Did you I have a time cop scenario? Did it open a wormhole? A wormhole to the pizzaverse? Yeah, yeah. It did. Wow. It was amazing. And that's how you got your mustache. Yeah. In instantaneous. <laughs> yeah. Mustachianious. Yeah. It just made you a little bit more Italian. Yep. Even though I'm I'm German. Actually, you know, we can't bring back the what? The, the middle mustache. Oh. Yeah, only Michael Jordan could do that. Yeah. That Charlie Chaplin and Michael Jordan, that's it. Yeah. What about that other guy? Hitler? <laughs> Yeah. He ruined it for everybody. Yeah, he ruined a lot of things. One ball bastard. Yeah. He did love dogs. He did. Yeah. Are we recording? Oh, yeah. We've been recording for a minute. All right. Yeah, we opened up with pizza talk, actually. <laughs> yep. This is funny. For this episode, yeah. no pizza. No oh. pizza inflation. So No, it's it's at a pretty steady. It's been steady, but if anybody's yeah. listening to this and they're yeah. hoping for the pizza inflation wars update, I am sorry to disappoint you. We're skipping it. Yeah. Do you know why? Why? Because this is a special episode. It is, but also, can I put out a statement? Go ahead. Um, on top of the pizza inflation, you know, uh, broadcasting that we've been doing, and I think our listeners should also be a part of this. I think if they see anything, you know, out of the ordinary oh. in the pizza <clears throat> scape, in the pizzaverse, right. they should let us know about that. Yes. On top of that, I also want to know if you've seen any famous people eat pizza before. Yeah, I am on board with this, yes. Yeah, so just, you know, send us a message through Electric Monster Pod on Instagram. Right. You could send me an email at Electric Monster Podcast at Gmail. I want to know about the famos that are eating pizza. Sure. And I want to know what them prices are looking like in your neck of the woods. That's Yeah, I would like to know. Because I've only been commenting on Midwest prices, Yeah, you know. Yeah. It varies. Actually, I, I noticed there was a, a slight variation in price between the Meyer mm. where I live uh. and the Walmart where I live. It's a, it's a little bit of a difference. I've been going off Meyer prices, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we're not rolling it back here. No. But no no pizza talk today. <laughs> that was the end of it. No network. No networking. I'm not going to fool you folks out there because this is a special episode. Yeah, you fooled me last time. I did. It was fun. <laughs> um, but no, this, this episode's special because... It's the lead-up to episode 100. It is the lead-up to episode 100 on the Electric Monster podcast feed. And if we stay on track, it will be an M3 with E5 at 100. Yeah, isn't that nuts? It's yeah. nuts that you have a total of 100 episodes on your feed. It's very weird. I, cr I keep trying to visualize notches on a belt for every yeah. episode yeah. that you've done. That's a lot. My friend Steve was like, ah, I've fallen behind. I haven't listened in a minute. Uh, I think the last one I listened to was the Deborah Hill episode, and I didn't oh. want to tell him that that was like, yeah. that was like 
that was like 70 episodes that was ago. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, you've been uh, very consistent, and yeah. I have tried to do this once a month. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I actually have more than 12 episodes. I mean, look, I don't want to get too weird about it or get too personal, but it's going to be a lot easier to do these once a month. That's true. <laughs> um, come August. Because I'm moving. Yeah, yeah. Here. Yeah. To your house. Also, I opened it up for, for Chase, who was on the, the previous episode. Um, any of the regulars uh, to do any editorial episodes like I did mm. a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Okay. Um, you know, putting it out there. If you just want to do a solo ep, record oh. one, I'll edit it. I will up. find some stupid cryptids to talk about. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Let's get fucking weird, man. Let's get weird. <laughs> Speaking of getting weird, I'm going to jump right into this episode. Yeah. And you know what? I, I wrote a script, so let's dive in, because this is fun. If you're listening to this episode, welcome. You're listening to Mystery, Monsters, and Mayhem. That's M3 with E5. I'm your host, Epion5, and with me, as always, is Brian Aerosol Pro. I edit the thing. You edit it? And today, we're going to go back in time. January 16th, 2003, actually. That's not that far. It's oh, not that God, far. 20 years ago. Jesus no, Christ. For us, it's not that far, oh, but God. young kids would be like, that's so long ago. I was a baby. <laughs> I was um, a Benjamin Button baby. <clears throat> mm-hmm. On January 16th, 2003, Space Shuttle Columbia. Col- I fucked that up right Columbia. away. Columbia. Space Shuttle Columbia. Blasted off from it. You were in Rocky Horror, and you couldn't even... I know! (laughs) Man, I gotta turn in my fishnets. Damn it. You still have those? Yep. Wow. I might have them on right now. (laughs) Under those those motorcycle boots. Under my motorcycle boots, my black pants, my motorcycle vest, and my mustache. This is getting closer to a different Friedkin project. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Yeah. So, Space Shuttle Columbia blasted off from its launch pad located at the Kennedy Space Center with a crew of seven astronauts commanded by former colonel and test pilot Rick Husband. The launch was considered a success. That's a fake name. I, I thought that too. It's That's his real name. Weird. Rick. Richard? Rick? I'm not sure. Husband. Dick? Dick Husband. Husband. The launch was considered a success until one day later when NASA, while reviewing the launch footage, noticed that while the shuttle was ascending, a small piece of insulating foam had broken off from the external fuel tank and struck the left wing of Columbia. Mm. If you're not familiar with what the external fuel tank is, it's the large fat tank that the shuttle sits atop as it ascends through our atmosphere. It's that big orange fucker. Exactly. It is, (laughs) yes. I learned an interesting fact about the external fuel tank. The reason it's orange, it used to be white Mm. because they used to paint it, but they realized that if they did not paint it and just left it its natural orange metal color, it weighed 600 pounds less. Oh, That's how much paint it took, 600 pounds of paint to cover. That's crazy. And of course, you know, when you're flying a rocket, you need to reduce weight for... Yeah, that thing drops off anyway. Yeah, it does, but... So it would be easier to find it in the ocean if it were orange. Yeah. Anyways... Right? You know, I don't know. Scientists are weird. You know, sometimes they're real smart and sometimes they're just morons. Right, right, no, I'm right. kidding. You're, no, you're, 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 no, awesome. you're not wrong, actually. Okay. But. I've been to the, um, I went to space camp two years in a row as oh, a yeah, kid. I know. That's why I'm jealous. So yeah. I, was, I always wanted, always I've, wanted. I'm just saying, I've touched one of those things. You know? Oh. Yeah. You make it sound sexual in a weird way. It was. I've touched that fuel tank. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> large fat tank that I touched. Yeah, that big fat fucker. <laughs> But the shuttle, the shuttle, the shittle, the shittle shits atop, the shittle shits atop the fuel tank as it ascends through our atmosphere. 
Yeah. Now, the interesting thing regarding all of this is that NASA did not think this, that this incident was a big deal. Insulating foam breaking off from the external fuel tank and striking the shuttle during liftoff or during its ascent was not an uncommon event. It actually happened many times before with no effects on any previous missions. The total number of previous foam strikes was, it was over 60 times at this mm. point. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, NASA decided that the foam that struck the left wing of the shuttle poised no threat whatsoever to the mission or the upcoming re-entry of the shuttle as the insulating foam is lighter in density when compared to ice. Mm. And during mm. liftoff of many shuttles, it was quite common for the shuttle to be struck by falling ice. Yeah. Uh, the external fuel tank would hold rocket fuel that was cooled minus however many degrees. So that's why ice would build up on it, yeah, even though yeah. like it would be in Florida, it would still be covered in ice. Yes. Um, so, you know, NASA didn't think it was a big deal. They did send an email to the crew of Columbia while they were up in space saying, hey guys, it's NASA. Uh, we, just want, we saw it when you guys were taking off, like this piece of foam. Like it just it just fell off and just like uh, Deborah. It hit the wing. Uh, Deborah. It's fine. <laughs> it was just foam. It's lighter than ice, you know. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Nothing you can do. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. We'll see you. We'll see you back on the ground, guys. So early on the morning of February first, the space that was a, that was a beat for beat transcript that you found. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. okay. You can look it up. I'm not lying. Yeah. Early on the morning of February 1st, the Space Shuttle Columbia began its descent and re-entry into the atmosphere. As it crossed over California at a speed of Mach 23, the outside temperature of its wings were estimated to be about 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. So, if you're not familiar, remember, when an objects are coming into our atmosphere, they experience extreme amounts of temperature. That's why you see a shooting star, it's a meteor. Yeah. 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 Uh, burning up in our atmosphere. So, the survive. I don't even know if this is a word, but I wrote it. <laughs> okay, go for it. The survivability? Yeah. That's a word? All right. Yeah. The survival. I thought, hey, that's a cool word. I just made up a cool word. Mm. The survivability of any astronaut is dependent upon heat shielding technology. The insulating foam that had struck the Columbia during its earlier takeoff from the launch pad had not only struck the left wing, but it had damaged the thermal protection system of the wing itself. Mm. The extreme heat and thermal gases surrounding the shuttle during its re-entry entered the damaged wing and began to melt and destabilize the aluminum frame and the supports of the left wing. While still traveling now at an astounding Mach 15, it had slowed down, but that's still, what, 15 times the sound of speed? I've seen faster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That well, shit. all of a sudden, the left wing disintegrated, causing the shuttle to lose all flight control, which Whoopsie resulted... Doodle. Exactly. It was a catastrophic breakup in midair on live TV. Mm, I've had some catastrophic breakups. <laughs> <laughs> on live TV? No, no, no. I'd no, like I'm to not, see... It. You know what? There enough. should be a show about breakups on live TV. There's probably plenty. There probably we just don't was, watch yeah. television. That's true. We haven't really even said what this episode's no, about yet. No, I'm working up yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. This, uh, this is a cold <laughs> intro. Cold Cold intro, baby. Well, hot now. It is. It yeah, cold before, it is hot, hot because actually all seven astronauts were killed. Oh no! Yes. Whoopsie. And the world saw pieces of the space shuttle Columbia and the bodies of its seven occupants yeah. streak across the sky yeah. like a bunch of fiery meteorites. That's it was 
pretty fucking metal. It was crazy. And you could watch the footage. It, it looks exactly like that. But you can't see the bodies. You can't see the bodies. No. They did find pieces of the bodies, though, on the ground. Wow. It was not. Yeah, it was crazy. That's nuts. I really want to stress this enough, that the success and survival of astronauts who wish to come back to Earth alive... Which is, I would say, 100% yeah. of astronauts. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's honestly, it's dependent upon heat shielding technology. It's, the one thing, it's one thing to get them up into space, but it's entirely different to get them back down. Mm, like that dude who launched that rocket to prove that the Earth was flat. Right, and didn't well, he didn't die right away, did he? Or did no, he? but he definitely did die. He did die. He, he did died, definitely yeah. die. He did, and also he did not prove that the world was flat. No, you, I think no, you have no. to get up to sixty-eight miles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So to, yeah. before you can see the curvature of the Earth. So now we enter Ronald Edwin Hunkler. Ronald mm. was instrumental in getting our Astro Boys and Girls home safely from the dark outer reaches of space. You just wanted to say Astro Boy. I did, yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Ronald Hunkler was a NASA engineer who not only worked during the Apollo space program, uh -huh. that's the program that sent us to the moon yeah. and back, but also developed and patented the heat-resistant panels used by oh. the space shuttle oh. to withstand the lethal heat experienced upon re-entry into our atmosphere. It is safe to say that without the scientific and inventive expertise of Ronald Hunkler, the safety of our space program would definitely be in question. Yeah. But. Yeah. But. But that's the end of it. Let's call it in. Yeah. I hope you learned something. <laughs> but Ronald Edwin Hunkler had a very dark, dark, dark secret. Yeah. A double life, so to speak. That really came to light. <laughs> recently yes yes it did i'll get into that date later here yeah uh but this this uh secret was one that caused him near constant anxiety should anyone ever find out about his true past mm. so what was ronald hunkler hiding was he perhaps a nazi no this wasn't in brazil no it wasn't in brazil <laughs> but for those unaware, after World War II came to a close and the Nazis lost, many of the captured Nazis yeah. that didn't go to Argentina were put on trial and executed for war crimes. Except for the scientists. Yeah, yeah. Nazi scientists were light years ahead in rocket technology, so when they were captured, our honest-to-goodness government was like, ah, we know you guys did bad things. You did a lot of bad weapons. Tell you what. But. You want to come work for us? <laughs> And Nazis were employed in the NASA program yeah. to develop yeah. to develop the rocketry. Yeah. Well, Ronald was a bit too young to have been one of the World War II science Nazis. So was maybe perhaps Ronald gay? A secret homosexual? <laughs> yes. You see, back in the 60s, I don't know. being gay was a crime. Yeah. If you were out and gay... Well, you... in Florida it is now, too. Yeah, pretty much. Point, sadly, <laughs> yeah. we're, going, we're going back to the 60s for yeah. Florida. But if you were out and gay in the 60s, you'd lose your job, your family, you'd be ostracized by society, and put in jail because it was literally illegal to be gay. Yeah. Well, that is not why Ronald was living with constant fear, dread, yeah, and know. anxiety. I don't know why you're leading the people on so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what Ronald did not want anybody to know was that he had a few alias names as mm. a result of a past experience. I see. Ronald Edwin Hunkler was known by a select few as 
Roland Doe. Rodo? <laughs> Rodo. Your friends could call you Rodo. Roland Doe. I, honestly, I think it sounds like he could be a backup guy for Wu-Tang. Roland Doe. <laughs> yeah. Like, he could be a DJ. Yeah, Roland Doe. Roland Doe. Roland Doe. Hell yeah. He and Raekwon the chef mm-hmm, could make mm-hmm. some beautiful foods together. Straight up. Straight up Wu-Tang with Roland. Um, Wu-Tang's pastry shop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I go. Uh, sometimes Ronald was referred to by those in the know as Robbie Mannheim. That to me sounds like he could be a British singer. Like that's what I was gonna right, say. Like, Robbie Mannheim on yeah. top of the pops, you know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those who referred to him by these names happened to be Jesuit priests, and these Jesuit Jesuit fuckers priests. Those fuckers. Yeah. They just happened to be the ones who performed a series of exorcisms on Ronald when he was 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ronald Edwin Hunkler, the NASA engineer who helped get our boys to the moon and develop the crucial heat-resistant technology needed, Tell them. Bring it needed home. for atmospheric re-entry, was also the real-life case that kick inspired their ass all the, way home. the book and the movie, The Exorcist. Yeah, baby! We're talking about <laughs> not just the movie, the real-life case. Of demon possession, alleged demon. I gotta say that alleged demon demon possession, possession. and the the tragic story of Rodo. Yeah, Rodo. (laughs) So let's get into it. Uh huh. In 1935, and from here on out, I'm gonna call him Rolando. Yeah. I got so used to referring to him as that because his actual name—it's relatively new. uh, Us learning his real name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was in 2020 is when it finally came out who he actually We had was. nothing else to do. We were all stuck inside. We were yeah. like, we got to figure out this exercise. Exactly. <laughs> so, in 1935, Roland Doe was born to a middle-class Lutheran family that lived in Cottage City, Maryland. Oh. He was, according to reports... I old... could go to that house this weekend. You... Uh... <laughs> That house got torn down. Ah, damn it. Okay. Yeah, that house did get torn down. The one okay. in Maryland did get torn down. Gotcha. I think it's an empty lot now. Mm. But I think you can look up the address. Yeah. Uh, he was, according to reports, an only child who, despite being quite studious, didn't really have any friends of his own age. He wasn't very popular, nor was he athletic. He's a fucking nerd. He was a nerd. Yes. <laughs> I don't mean any offense to my nerd friends. We are. You. I was just gonna be like, wait, he—he's just one of us. Yeah, yeah. One of us. Gleeble globble. Mm-hmm. As for any social interactions that he did have, it was dependent upon the company of the adults in his family. He was particularly close to and loved his aunt Harriet. I've also seen her referred to as Aunt Helen or Aunt Tilly. Depends on what source you're reading. I'll go with Aunt Harriet because that's the one that I've seen referred to most. Aunt Harriet was his father's sister. And wasn't, wasn't Aunt Harriet, wasn't she on the Batman series? Uh, I believe she was. Okay. And was she also an evil dead? Or was that? That's just, that's, uh, no. She wasn't an aunt. Okay. Yeah. I forgot what her name was. But like in in the 60s it, Batman series. There was an the Aunt old Harriet. lady yeah. that lived. But I'm thinking, who who was in the cellar of, of the cabin? Uh, it's just Harriet. Harriet, just yeah. Harriet. Okay. Yeah, no aunt. Just no aunt Harriet. She yeah. could have been an aunt, though. We yeah. don't know. It's fine. All right, yeah, it's yeah. true. What if Aunt Harriet from Batman series was the Harriet in the Evil Dead series? It's possible. Fuck. It's possible. That's that crossover we need. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
Aunt Harriet was yeah. his father's sister, and she just so happened to be a spiritualist, mm. a believer in the paranormal who attempts to this, communicate with the dead. This was in the 30s? 35. Okay. There were still... Well, he was born in 35. This was during his teenage years. Spiritualism was still a thing. Yeah, no, it was like yeah. it got big in like the fifties and sixties, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. It was early twenties and thirties was super huge, but yeah. you still have I thought it was probably really huge during her younger days when Houdini was around, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, so Which he was in um Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. So not that far away. Yeah, so she was probably into Houdini. Yeah. Yep. Uh so Roland seemed very interested in this subject. So Aunt Harriet introduced Roland to and taught him how to use the Ouija board. Oh, the spirit board. The spirit board made yeah. by Parker Brothers. <laughs> yes. I yeah. think it was made by Parker Brothers. Yeah, it's, a, it's for children. <laughs> it is for kids. Um, in 1948, Roland's best friend in the entire world, his Aunt Harriet, mm. suddenly passed away, leaving oh. Roland essentially on his own. Yeah. He didn't have any friends. Distraught over the loss of his best friend, Roland attempted to use the Ouija board to contact the spirit of his deceased aunt. Right. It was at this point in time that strange <laughs> things began to happen around the house. Yeah. The entire family began to hear the sound of dripping water, like just nonstop, yeah. Which is like, that's a form of torture, basically. Um, I'm doing it. Thank you. Upon examining every single faucet and pipe in the house, no leak was discovered. Mm. Then the scratching began. The sound of what everyone thought was rats in the attic underneath the floorboards. Ugh. Traps were put out and floorboards were lifted in an attempt to find the pesky and noisy rodents. Mm. But no rats were ever found. Eventually... Roland and the family started to hear the sounds of footsteps at night. More specifically, Roland would wake up hearing the sounds of footsteps around his bed. Oh, that's his, creepy in, as fuck. In his room, yeah. Oh, no. But not just the sound of a single person, mind you, but rather they heard the, they heard the footsteps of many people mm. who almost sounded as though they were marching in order. That was like my ghost story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. But they weren't in a... Well, they're not... It sounds like, you know, they're trying to hide their numbers by walking in single file. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's the ghost of... No. Tusken Raiders. I'm not going to get into Star Wars Tuscan today. Tusken Raiders. You know, let's talk about Star Wars. We don't call them sand people in no, this house. I'm sir. not going to... Yes. <laughs> let's show respect where it's yeah. due. They are Tusken Raiders. Yeah. You know, they've got a culture. <laughs> made up, but sure. Yeah. So, at this point, the activity started to focus around Roland himself. Furniture would seemingly move all by itself. Objects would fall off the wall and vases, plates, and cups would fly through the air. But only when Roland was around, and usually at night. Mm. Roland's demeanor began to change as well. He started to become very angry and violent, getting to the point of pissing himself and defecating on the walls of his home. He was just like a monkey, just shitting and just, yeah. And, and throwing it? Yeah. In his bedroom, mostly. Mm, yeah. Weird. Yep. The family, now actually, I got to give the credit to family. I got to give credit yes. to yes. the family. Because they initially sought the help in the medical field. Even though they were Lutheran. Even though they were Christians. These are like, this is like beat for beat from the movie. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Yeah, they did 
take Roland to see many, many doctors. There's even an astronaut in The Exorcist. <laughs> yes. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> but they, did, they, they thought that Roland might have some sort of mental instability. Yeah. You, you know, so they took him to many doctors. They conducted many tests. But they all concluded that Roland was of sound mind and body. Hmm. They didn't find anything wrong with his, his mental state. It was at this point that the family was exhausted because they felt they were out of options. Right. You know, they did what they thought was the correct thing to do. So they were desperate and they turned to their local pastor, a man by the name of Luther Schultz. You know, he's that true. guy might have been a Nazi. He, yes. <laughs> Luther Schultz was most likely a Nazi. Uh, Schultz was very interested. God damn it, now I'm doing yeah. German. Yeah, you bring that's... it up. Yeah, Schultz was very interested in parapsychology. And he arranged for Roland to spend some time with him for observation. So while doing so, Schultz claimed to have witnessed objects moving of their own accord and Roland being thrown out of a chair as well as the bed violently shaking whenever Roland was laying in it. It was at this point that Luther Schultz advised the family to seek the help from a Catholic priest. Oh. So apparently, remember, the family's Lutheran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had to convert to Catholicism at this point. So they converted to Catholicism and met with Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic priest, who at that point got permission to perform exorcisms mm. on Roland. So this took place at Georgetown University Hospital. It didn't take place in their house. It took, they took him to a hospital to do this. Which Georgetown's where they shot the exorcist. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So during one of the exorcisms, and he performed many. An exorcism just isn't like a one and done. It's, nah. It's a, it's a series. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like uh, auditing. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a while. And it feels the same, honestly, I think. Scientologically and also in, in the tax world. Yes. Both take a while. And, yes. You know. Well, during one of the exorcisms that was being performed by Father Hughes, Roland was so strong that he managed to break free. Yeah, he's got that boy strength. He does. He, <laughs> he, he broke free from one of his uh, restraining straps, ended up reaching down underneath him, yanked out a spring from the mattress. What the fuck? And for those of you who don't know, mattresses at one time just had a lot of springs in them. God, you cannot stop this ex-mattress salesman from talking no, about you fucking can't. mattresses. I can't. I gotta know. Back sleeper, side sleeper, stomach sleeper. You want springs? You want uh, you, you, foam. memory foam? You want the foam. You go with the foam, but you, you gotta make sure foam. it's an open cell structure. Jesus otherwise, Christ. Otherwise, when you're sleeping, you're gonna end up sweating yourself to death because yeah. the air can't go anywhere. Yeah. I almost started going into Marky Wahlberg there for a yeah, second. Yeah, it was a I little know. bit. It was a, it was a touch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So Roland pulled a, a spring from the mattress and then used it to slash at the priest. <laughs> yeah, he ca caused a bloody gash that went from Father Hughes' wrist to his elbow. It required 100 stitches. Jesus Christ. It was at this point that the Georgetown exorcisms came to a halt because Father Hughes walked the fuck away. Yeah. He did not want to continue this. Nah, fuck that kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few days later... God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope that's what Father Hughes said. I was like, yeah, fuck this kid. Fuck him. I'm out. A few days later, scratches began to appear upon Roland's body. 
These bloody scratches began to spell out words, and apparently did so without the use of his hands, meaning people did not see him scratching. Right. The words would appear such as Lewis. It would appear on his ribs. Mm. The family took this as a sign that they were supposed to relocate to St. Louis, Missouri, as they had family that's in St. Louis. That's a stretch. I know. But <laughs> they would, the family would converse with the possessed Roland. They would ask him, okay, Roland, when should we leave? And then the word <laughs> Saturday would appear in scratches on his hip. I'd like to think that they were just yelling at to, to a boy's torso. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when asked, how long are we supposed to stay? The bloody words, three and a half weeks, appeared on his chest. It no no it didn't spell three and a half no I wrote out three and a half do you think it was three point five no no it was three weeks. it was three one slash two no they didn't do the it did no it did no it did it didn't do it fraction did. man oh you know you know demons know fractions yeah they know fractions fractions and decimals are quite demonic actually yes if you've ever tried to do the math with fractions you're yeah it's not. It's all tax-related. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. So, the family took Roland to St. Louis, Missouri, where they stayed with relatives in a brick house located on Roanoke Avenue. Oh. I always thought it was funny that they were on Roanoke, because yeah. that name itself yeah. connotates some weird spooky shit, the this Roanoke colony that disappeared. Yeah. While there, they contacted Father William Bodern. They were able to find him just... I, I just remember this. They had a... Uh, a niece, I think, that lived at the house, she was going to a college. Mm. She told her professor what was going on, and the professor was like, Father Bodern is the person you need to talk to. You want that done, you gotta call yeah. Bodern, baby. Bodern. <laughs> Bodern. He also sounds like it could be a lawyer. Bodern and Associates, maybe? <laughs> Bodern, Bodern. And I just associates. got lawyers on the mind. Yeah, it's weird. I know. So they contacted Father William Bodern, who agreed to visit the boy at the relative's home, because he needed to see... You can't just get an exorcism. You have to prove it before you get... You know, they, got to, they have to get permission from the Catholic right, Church. Right, So Father Bodern observed that the bed that Roland would lie in would violently shake. Objects would fly across the room, and Roland, at this point, was speaking in a guttural voice, sometimes speaking in Latin and showing extreme fear and aversion of anything that was holy, mm. like the sight of a Bible, a crucifix, or holy water. All of that would send him into a screaming fit. It was at this point in St. Louis that Father Bodern was granted permission by the Catholic Church to perform a series of exorcisms on Roland Doe. Yeah. Bodern and Doe, back again. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a yub nub? Yeah. <laughs> For this... <laughs> God damn it. For this series of exorcisms, Father Bodern was joined by two other Jesuit priests, Father Halloran, and uh, this name too, Father Van Lu. Mm. Yeah. This second series of exorcisms lasted about six weeks and consisted of 30 separate exorcisms that took place at the Alexian Hospital in St. Louis. It fascinates me that all this actually takes place in a hospital. Right. Like not at the home. They would take him to a hospital where they would do this. I should say these hospitals, the Georgetown University Hospital and this Alexian Hospital, they were Christian hospitals, though. Right, so. right, right. We got tons of those around here. Yeah. 
And during that time at the hospital, these three priests witnessed the shaking bed, the flying objects, Roland speaking in Latin with his gutteror voice. Scratched words would appear on his body such as evil and <laughs> <laughs> got to, got it, evil and hell. Mm. I love that one. That's that's basically meatloaf. Yeah. Hell. R.I.P. Meatloaf. Buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you need to talk to him, by the way. What's up? You talk to me. No. <laughs> you think about it. <laughs> so uh, I'll get back to you. You think about yeah. it. You talk to me. I couldn't talk to Meatloaf because you fucking died. Wow, he's also very intimidating. He was very intimidating. Um, at this point, Roland was getting more violent. Remember, at last, he took out a spring at the last one and splashed yeah. at the yeah. at the priest. This cheap ass bed. At this point, he was getting extremely violent. So much so that during one of the exorcisms, Roland broke out of his straps, lashed yeah. out at Father Halloran, and broke his nose. Fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if he punched him or did like a wrestling move. I, I'm roundhouse not sure. kick. Is just that... stood up, just straight roundhouse yeah, kick. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Using yeah. that demon ability. Yeah. Probably. Dexterity. Oh, you know Amazing. it. Hell yeah. Finally. Agile. It's an agile young <laughs> an boy. Agile young boy. <laughs> an agile young Rodo. Finally. I assume on... he's kind of like Nightcrawler, you know. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Well, definitely. with the demon, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. And so Nightcrawler spoke German. Well, he's yeah. speaking Latin. Yeah. Well, I bet he could speak German, though. He could Because you German. know demons know German. Yeah, oh, big time. They know German. Big time. Fuck yeah. <laughs> On April 18th of 1949, the priest demanded that Satan leave the boy's body. Oh, I should point out... Uh, uh, Satan? Yeah. Could you get out of there? Hey, buddy. <laughs> um, during one of the times when, like, scratches would appear on Roland's body, yeah, uh, an X would appear. Mm. And they thought that that was the Roman numeral X, meaning that there were ten entities in his body. At one point, they did ask him, you know, who resides in your body, boy? Yeah. And, and Roland... David Bowie. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would if Dave. I, oh, fuck, if I was possessed by David Bowie, I would not ask for an exorcism. I would yeah. leave Bowie in my body. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Bowie and his guitarist Ronson. Right. Bo oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ, stop me. <laughs> um, let's dance. Oh, everybody be dancing. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Um, Demons uh, are tricksters, though. He tell you it's Bowie. You got Mick Jagger in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay, though. I like Mick Jagger. He does the cock walk, you yeah. know, the yeah, cock you, strut. And you could pass that off as some beef. Right, you know. <laughs> that, was my, that was my Jagger. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, Keith. I'm feeling saucy, Keith. <laughs> I think David Bowie's coming out. He's going to give me a big hand job, Keith. Yeah. Because they fucked. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. They, they did, did a bunch fucked. of blow, ate a bunch of peppers, drank some milk. And fucked. <laughs> and fucked the night away. They did. Um, they did ask Roland who resides in your body, and at one point, the classic line which we've heard in many horror movies... Satan? It, it, no, actually it all comes from this. Satan? I am many. Oh, yeah. I am legion. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. comes from this. Ah. Oh. Yep. Interesting. So... Like a clown car. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of jam them all in there. A legion of now I want to see a demon legion of clowns yeah. in a car. Yeah. That would be real frightening because people have that clownophobia, whatever it's called. Uh, it's not called clownophobia, but it's a phobia. It's like chlorophobia or something. Chlorophobia. I don't yeah. know. Isn't that when you 
kill some? No. You make them fall asleep before a phone. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You, you talk. You talk. You vamp. I'm going to look this thing okay. up. Okay. During the last... So anyway, during this exorcism, they were demanding that Satan leave Roland's body and that the archangel, Saint Michael, would vanish the demonic entity. It's like your name, dude. I know. It is. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, like if you believe in Christian lore Satan was God's number one angel you're my number one right. guy and then after <laughs> after after the Lucifer got kicked out of heaven I can't remember if it was Michael and then Gabriel or Gabriel then Michael either either Michael ended up being God's number one or he was God's number two it doesn't fucking matter I know Peter Gabriel I don't know any other Gabriel oh man I would love an angel Peter Gabriel yeah a little sledgehammer yeah oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my Peter Gabriel. That's pretty good. Thanks, man. Who <laughs> let Peter Gabriel in my house? <laughs> so during the last and final exorcism of that day, everyone involved within the room heard that this was this kind of freaked me out. I did not hear about this or read about it or I didn't know about this until I read it. Everyone involved within the room heard the sound of what could only be described as a shotgun blast. Oh. And immediately after that frightening sound at 10.45 p.m., Roland Doe was back to normal. He had come out of his demonic trance and simply said, quote, he's gone, hmm. end quote. Hmm. And that, my friends, is the true story of Ronald Edwin Hunkler, the boy known as Roland Doe, yeah. once possessed by a demon, allegedly... <laughs> <laughs> inspiring sure. one of the scariest books and movies of all time who was also and th th this freak i was just amazed was an integral part of space exploration yeah yeah if it wasn't for him we wouldn't have space exploration yeah it's crazy well we would have suicide missions if yeah. somebody wanted to do it you know just very expensive halo drops <laughs> <laughs> And I do have some extra info here, like yeah. follow-up info. Yeah, yeah. So this is some follow-up details. Is that details. dude still around? I'll get into that. Okay. Yeah. Here it is. Right. Following some of the main players, Father Bodern died in 1983 after serving the Catholic Church for decades. Mm. Father Halloran... This is like the ending of Animal House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not as funny, though, I don't think. Uh, I don't know. I if don't I put make... the music underneath it, it will be. <laughs> I hope you do. I, will. I really do. Yeah, Father Bodern died in 1983 after serving the Catholic Church for decades. Father Halloran died of cancer in 2005, and he was the last surviving member of those directly associated with the case of Roland Doe. In all, nine priests were witnesses to the alleged possession, with a total of 48 witnesses. Hmm. So remember, like his family saw this too. Yeah. Like his family, immediate family, uh, distant relatives that lived with him. There were a lot of people that saw this. The Alexian Hospital in St. Louis, where Bodern and Halloran performed the exorcisms, was eventually sealed and boarded up and, uh, and torn down in 1978. The house that Roland and his family stayed at while in St. Louis is still standing and is mm. located still. It's on Roanoke Drive. And it recently sold to some new owners in 2005 for $165,000. That's a great price. It is, honestly. That's a good deal. It's, it's theorized that the people who bought it knew exactly what they were buying. Mm. And they wanted that house. Yeah. Because of the demon possession. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a nice house. There's pictures of it. It's like a huh. two-story brick house. That's lovely. It is lovely. 
Man, fuck. Joke's on that realtor, though. I know. That demon started in fucking Maryland. Right. Georgetown. Moving. Uh, yeah, so. They don't know. No, they don't. Fucking realtors are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at one time I wanted to be a realtor. Yeah, that tracks. I know. With I that love, mustache. I love houses. Yeah, exactly. I love houses. You I could love actually sea do horses. It. I you love houses. You know? Seashells. You don't like houses? Fuck you. Yeah. You know? You can still do that. The irony, though, is that you don't even have a house. I know. That's the point. <laughs> I mean, I'm living in a house right now, but I, technically I'm kind of homeless. I don't have a place. I'm like Metallica, wherever I may roam, you know? Yeah, that's a good And the road becomes marble right here. Yeah. yeah. Had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have to. Oh, I have to. <laughs> you didn't have to. I got to get that Talica out. You know what I'm saying, that baby? That Talica? Got to get that Talica. Uh. God bless Jason Newstead. He uh, he's still alive. Not like that. <laughs> but Jason Newstead, man, they gave him the fucking shaft. Those Metallica yeah. guys. Yeah, they Lars, did. you fucking cunt. Well, Lars does suck. <laughs> As for Roland himself, yeah, he sadly passed away oh. at the age of 85 in 2021, months shy of his 86th birthday. Wow. The weird thing is, as he was dying. Catholic priest showed up at his door to give him his last rites. Oh. Nobody called for the Catholic priests. That's weird. Yeah. It is theorized that the Catholic priests kept tabs on him this whole time. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And when they would be like spies. When it was clear that he was gonna pass away, they went to his house to give They're him his like last spies rites. Spies for Jesus. Spies for Yeah. <laughs> and I'm willing to bet there's like a Christian movie called Spies there for Jesus. There probably they have movies Kirk for Cameron's in it. And I would watch it because you know it's fucking awful. <laughs> That's true. I will get fucking drunk. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. But after his passing, that is when the true identity of Rolando was finally oh. made public. At that point, it was deemed safe to let the world know who Rolando actually was. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if we were good podcasters, we would have done the research to be like, how did william peter blatty get the information i'll tell you i actually know god damn you're better at this than me i know <laughs> don't agree so quickly oh wait i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um sorry sorry no it's good uh, this is your episode I, it's funny I done the... so some of the articles that i was doing researching this they weren't written that long ago and some of them did not know who roland doe was yet yeah they were written before his yeah, identity came right. out. So a lot of these articles were like, we don't know who Roland Doe is. Some we, John Doe. They said John Doe. They didn't know yeah. that they were that close. And so it's it's just funny that like, yeah, his his true identity just came out just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And now we know. But as for how we know anything at all about the case of Roland Doe, that is because both Father Bodern and Father Halloran kept detailed diaries ah. of the events. And the author of the 1971 book, The Exorcist, was written by William, William Peter, Peter Blatty. Blatty. Yeah. He went to Georgetown University. Yeah, yeah. He also, uh, I think he was like a Catholic. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm pre I think Georgetown, Georgetown University is a Christian college. Yeah. The priests there would talk about the case of Roland Doe. Remember, they would never say his actual name. Right, right. So Blatty heard about this. Oh, yeah, we're... You know, back back then we were slapping this boy around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had all kinds of uh, demons in him. So because he went to Georgetown University, he heard the priest talking about uh, Roland Doe. They let him in on what had happened. I think they let him read the diaries. That's cool. And then based on that, yeah, he wrote The Exorcist. 
Interesting. Which then, like, well, actually, the the book The Exorcist did not take off at first. It, it didn't sell very well until he made an appearance on the Mike Douglas show, if I remember. Yeah. yeah. Where he was talking about the devil, yeah, demon possession. Guy. Big fan. Which then people <laughs> saw that, and then the book took off and became number one bestseller. And then they were like, let's make a movie, you know, because it got fast tracked. You yes. Know. The book came out in 71. I forget, did the book come out? Wasn't. What's the what's the thing? Because something came out as called Legion. Was it the book was called Legion? I don't remember. I and thought then they it was changed just... it to The Exorcist. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I just know no, it was just The that. Exorcist. But um, and then the the movie came out. Uh, I think two years later, 1973. Yeah, that's really fast. Friedkin. Yeah, exactly. But before we get into the movie. Yeah. I just want to ask some basic questions. Oh. Brian. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. looking at you. Let me take a let me take a swig of my cords. My yeah, cords banquet. Coffee. You got some cords. Yeah, so everyone have a banquet. Mm. It's a meal. <laughs> it's a meal in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Brian. Yeah. Do you think Roland Doe possessed by demon? Yes or no? No. No. Why? Tell me. Elaborate. Well, demons aren't real. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know. What are you? What if they're trans-dimensional beings from some other place? Well, if they're trans, they can't be in Florida. You That's know? true. <laughs> um, That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Shit like that's hard to hard to explain or even uh, clear up. I don't know. Could have yeah. been bipolar. Could have had some some shit that wasn't checked. Yeah, I, I could have just been going through a rough thing with, at, I'm with the with family. You. Yeah, remember his aunt Harriet died, and that yeah. was his only friend. And losing your only friend, especially when you're 14, you're going through puberties. You got yeah. your hairs popping in in places. Your voice is changing. You're getting pimples. You're going, like, I think the American education system. I'm going off a rant about the American education. Hell yeah, system, tell him, brother. Uh, has failed our youth dramatically because fuck them up. Yeah, no, they're fucking the youth up, especially in Florida, because they're yeah. not teaching people about things like periods yeah. and puberty. So yeah. when you have these girls who start bleeding from their crotch, they're having a carry moment yeah. where they don't yeah. know what's going on. Are you a girl? Yes. You know, <laughs> boys are, they, they got a lot of unchecked aggression, man. This aggression yeah. will not stand. <laughs> this is very true. You know, they don't know how to deal with it. No. And I think in, in that case, Roland was going through that in his life, losing his aunt, becoming a man. He was experiencing a lot of trauma. Yeah. And I think it's possible. And some of the articles that I've read that said most likely he, he probably had, at that time, probably did have some mental illnesses. Yeah. That because science wasn't as advanced as it is now, they didn't detect it. The family tried to detect it. Remember, they took him yeah. to see doctors. Yeah. But even back then, doctors would be like, well, that woman's a little hysterical, so let's just put her in an asylum. Let's throw a leech on her. Yeah, exactly. See what it do. Let's just cut her insides <laughs> out. She's a god. She's getting a little hysterical, so we'll give her a hysterectomy. Her humors are out of control. Yeah. So the medical science back then wasn't as uh, accurate as it is now. So it could be that he was simply misdiagnosed yeah. as being normal when in actuality he could I be mean, look, bipolar. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, dude could have been on the spectrum or something too. Yeah, it's true. Because it sounds like he was very good with numbers and shit. He was. You know? Yes, he was. Remember, they said, even as a kid, very studious. Yeah. He loved yeah. learning. He soaked up information. Yeah, he could have He could have been that, that kind of type A, like... Yeah, so I think Roland Doe was not 
possessed by a demon. I think he was going through uh, a bad period in his teenage life and didn't know how to deal with it yeah. and was simply acting out. As for all the weird shit that people saw, the bed shaking, uh, scratches on his chest. I know this gets a little into not necessarily paranormal, but if you don't have a filter in your brain preventing you from doing something, you're capable of doing crazy shit. Yeah. You hear the story about a mother who sees her kid pinned under a car and the adrenaline kicks in and they're able to lift that fucking car up. That line is in the exercise. I know it is. <laughs> I know it is. But it, that's a true thing. Yeah. That does happen to people. Um, some people, uh, it's been theorized, that have in, intense control over their body and can make marks on their body appear just by thinking it. Yeah. You know, and if it's possible that Roland Doe was, his brain was fucked up and had a serious chemical imbalance and he was off the rails because of all the trauma, that is stuff he, that, that probably he could have done. It wasn't spiritual. It no. was just him doing it to himself. Or just like fucking malnourished. Malnourished, yeah. You know? Um, his, like light, light scratches would appear right. rougher. His, gut, like his guttural voice, that actually reminds oh. me of, a, of another exorcist case, mm. which I'll, I'll fuck her name up because I haven't forgot. Oh, yeah. it's They did a movie, The Exorcism of Emily, Emily Rose. Rose but her real name was like Annalise. Uh, Annalise or Annalise like, yeah, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, German, I think. Yeah. Her family was extremely religious. She was not possessed. She just had some mental problems, but because her family were they old killed school. killed the fuck out of her. Yeah. Her family was old school Christians and they subjected her to nothing Torture. but, yeah, torturous exorcisms and they recorded it. And yeah. you can hear the audio recordings Ugh. and it is frightening. because you can, eerie. You can hear the guttural voice. Yeah. And it's because they're essentially turning somebody into an Auschwitz victim. When she died, she looked like somebody from the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. She was skin well, and bones. I mean, it's also one of those things that, like, you hear about it, like, like people who were innocent that go to jail. Yeah. Of, like, if you get told something enough, you'll just fucking say it. Uh, yeah, actually, you know? when I was in college, I took a class in sociology. And one of the things that I remember, and it always stuck with me, is people will become what you tell them. If you treat somebody like a criminal and tell them they're criminal enough, they'll eventually believe it. That's why I liked Halloween ends. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it too. I just wish it was part two. That's yeah, all. It is in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting shit. Yeah, and that is Roland Doe, yeah. everybody. Possessed by a demon. Now allegedly. let's let's, uh, let's get into the movie a little bit. The too. movie, yeah, yeah. Mashup episode, everyone. Which is like pretty much beat for beat the same thing that <laughs> happened to Roland Doe. Yeah. Aside from moving across the country. Yeah. Twelve-year-old um, Reagan uh, discovers a Ouija board, plays plays with it with her mother, who's an actress that's in uh, Georgetown shooting. Yep shooting a film. Uh, they uh, open up some shit with the Ouija board. Reagan gets possessed. Uh, what? Comes downstairs during a big party scene. Pisses everywhere. Similar to Roland Doe. You know what? I've done that at parties. You're going to die up there. I haven't said that. But <laughs> Next time you should. I've pissed myself at parties. I'll admit it. But you you were drunk as fuck. I was right? drunk as fuck, yes. So it would sound more like... Actually, no. <laughs> you know what I said? 
and I don't, I got no shame. We were having a party at this house I live in at, living at called Super House. We like to give our houses names, and we're mm. all German, so we called it Super House. The Uber House. Yeah, you know, like Uber, but we called it Super, S-U-P-E-R-H-A-U-S, Super House. Yeah. And we had a rager of a party. I'll tell you what, it was a fucking rager. Yeah. All my friends that were there were from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, so we were all fucked up. We were crazy. Yeah, you know, there was probably people. blowjobs left and right. I don't know, because I was drunk. <laughs> yeah. What I do remember was, I was my house. Well, I was one of the roommates in there, and I got drunk on the whiskey. And I just, I had to, go, I had to go to the bathroom, and I just decided that well, the bathroom is occupied. It's my house, so I stood up and I said, "You know what? It's my house, and I'm going to piss myself." <laughs> and I, I just held my arms up yeah. like I was Jesus Christ, yeah. you know. And you yelled, "Witness me!" And yes, <laughs> and, and I, I just pissed myself in front of everybody, and then I went right back to drinking, and everybody laughed. <sighs> Boy, if that's not rock bottom, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what. It felt very liberating. I bet. I bet. Some people pay good money to see that. I know. <laughs> that's going to be my next OnlyFans. Yeah. Um, you could just put that on your Patreon. That's true. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I want to go back to something. Yeah. You mentioned the opening shot in The Exorcist. Yeah. Because the opening shot takes place in uh, Iraq. Israel? Yeah, yeah, Iraq. Yeah, that's what it was. Now, the interesting thing about that... Shot I, in Israel. Shot in Israel, yes. Yeah. I love that opening shot because it establishes almost like uh, uh, opposites. You yeah. Have, you have an old world culture. Yeah. Which, at that time, if you saw this film in 1973, there was no internet. Unless you actually travel overseas, you would never see anything like that. So that was a very ex- exotic thing for people to yeah. see. And it took the viewers out of their comfort zone because now they were in a foreign land, foreign culture, foreign religion, foreign music. Yeah. It's a very weird opening. It is. And uh, I looked something up about this and I thought this was pretty funny. That opening shot uh, takes place in Mosul, Iraq. Yeah. And at that time, the U.S. did not have diplomatic relations with anybody there. Meaning Warner Brothers was like, wait, wait, uh, William Friedkin, what the fuck do you want to do? And he's like, I'm gonna, we're going, uh, we're going to Iraq. Yeah, that's. And, and Warner Brothers was like, no, no, you're not. Yeah, but that's William Friedkin. I know. That's just what he does. I know. <laughs> but Warner Brothers was afraid that we're never getting them back. They're going to be captured by somebody. They're going to be killed. There's right. nothing you can do. But what Friedkin did was he made a deal with the local ruling party of that area. Oh. A group called the Ba'ath Party. Oh, yeah. 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 And he asked them for permission to film there. And they let him under these conditions. You, oh. can, you can film here, but you have to hire locals. Mm. And yeah. he said, done. Yeah. Yeah, I'll hire locals. And, Mr. Freakin, you have to teach anybody who wants to learn about film how film is made. He's like, education? I'm in. Yeah. That was it. That's great. So he got permission, had no trouble there with any uh, locals, you know? That's pretty much how filming works now. Like, if you go to a a country and you use their tax incentive, you have to hire X amount of locals. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, so I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, he was doing deals with the ruling party of that. Now, that said, though, William Freakin is a legit crazy person who has done very dangerous things. Yes, he has. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I got some of that. And and hurt people physically, mentally. Oh, yes. Um, It's a real problem that he is also kind of a genius. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, like, do you separate art from the artist? I feel like he's one of those easier ones to do that yeah. with, because he didn't... He technically didn't, like, he wasn't a pedophile. No, no, no. Yeah, so he wasn't doing shit like that. And as far as I know, he didn't get anyone killed. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I have to think about right? it. Right? Um, yeah. Um... But uh, when we get into the... There's a scene... When you bring it up, I'll talk about what he did. If I bring it up. I didn't write down yeah, anything. I'm right. going off, off the brain, we'll off the it. dome piece. We'll um, so, anywho, back to the, the, the party party. Scene. Yeah, yeah. The interesting thing about that is, um, what do you got? A, you got a priest. Uh, it's a whole bunch of, like, her actor friends. Right. There's an astronaut in that scene. Yeah. And that guy is the same character in another movie called the ninth configuration oh you've mentioned that which is movie. a secret sequel to the exorcist yeah i've never seen it i haven't either but it's also about nazis oh, fuck yeah it's weird that the exorcist is one of those franchises one that went past one movie it arguably shouldn't have right it was <laughs> it was not designed they had no plans to no. do sequels and two it has secret tie-in movies that people don't talk about yeah like the ninth configuration um which was directed by william peter blatty mm-hmm. um that's also weird that an author became a director yeah like i think he and clive barker are the only people that i can really think of that did that i think william peter blatty uh was good for the job because when i was reading about how the film got made uh, he had very specific ideas of yes. how it should be made and yeah. who should play what. And yeah. Warner Brothers was like, come on, man, you're just an author. And he's like, no, this is how it should be done. Yeah. I don't know if that's how he sounds in real life. But yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there were multiple deals that fell through because uh, Blatty would not back down on how he wanted things to happen. Yeah. So um, Friedkin was not supposed to be the original director. I forget who they had. Mike Nichols, I think, was supposed to oh. be. I think he was in line to direct at one point. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, but for, but Blatty kept insisting that whatever deal happens, he has to be the producer. Yeah. And Warner Brothers was like, are you fucking kidding me? Seriously? Fine, we'll fucking give you yeah. producer. So, <laughs> Fuck off, Bill. So I think, that tena- <laughs> I think that tenacity of Blatty is why he ended up being more than just an I mean, you gotta give it to him, though, because, yeah. like, Exorcist 3 is really fucking good. It is. You know? Yep. Um, I don't know, like, the rest of the movies that he made in particular, but... Um, yeah, I think after that scene is when... Uh, what, we meet that detective... And we meet the the father, Karis. Father Karis. Yeah. Well, he's kind of in it a little bit in the background. Like when they show scenes of the mother, Chris McNeil is her yes. character, played yes. by Ellen Bernstein. Yeah. Like he's just watching in the background, watching the scene take place. You yeah. Know? And she sees him uh, hanging out at wherever Catholic place he hangs out. I forgot the you word. Got of any it. money for an old altar boy? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that dude, uh, Jason Miller, like practically drank himself to death, right? Uh, I did not know who he was at first. I didn't know who his son was. Oh fuck, who is it? His son is. Uh, I've looked this up before. Uh, is it Pat Patrick Jason Jason Patrick? Yes. Who was? Yes. Yeah. That's who was in son. the Lost Boys? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this in the car when I was riding with you. Father Karras, played by Jason Miller. Yeah. Uh, casting possibilities. Yeah. I think yeah, this yeah. is hilarious. The studio wanted A-list actors for the entire thing. But Friedkin and Blatty were like, no, 
no, let's not do let's not do A list actors. Yeah, I mean Jason Miller was like a playwright. Yeah, he was like an unknown yeah. in, in Hollywood. So originally the studio wanted Paul Newman. As, that as actually would have worked. That would have worked. They also wanted Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Which no would not have worked because I just I'm trying to imagine Jack Nicholson being like, ah, the power of Christ compels you. Right. Power of Christ compels you. Uh, But what they ended up happening was the studio ended up hiring Stacy Keach to play the role of Father Karras. Yeah, that would work. Stacy Keach. Yeah, he was hired. Contract signed. Everything. Mm. But then... uh, Friedkin. Friedkin saw uh, Jason Miller in a play that he did. Yeah. And this play revolved around Catholicism and then they talked to Jason Miller and found out that at one point he studied to be a Jesuit priest but then left because he had a crisis of faith and they thought Fuck, this is the guy yeah because he's actually he lived this he lived this part right so they did uh what I call this they they, they pulled a Stoltz they pulled an Eric Stoltz yes uh, where oh, they become assholes or something? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Marty, but they found us. I don't know how Marty, but they got rid of Eric Stoltz. Well, they paid him off. Yeah. Yeah, Eric Stoltz was supposed to be Marty McFly. Yeah. Uh, but then they replaced him with uh, Michael J. Fox. But Stoltz still got paid for the movie. Yes. That's what they did with Stacy Keach. Interesting. Stacy, he still, even though he got bumped from the role, he still got his paycheck. Huh. That's not bad, especially yeah. if you got a percentage. Exactly. So, and then the this role... movie was huge. Yeah, it, it was very huge. Um, also, Jason Miller's first wife was uh, Linda Gleason, who was Jackie Gleason's daughter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Pretty interesting shit. He's really fucking good in it, too. Oh, my God, yes. Like, he's really charming as uh, Father Karras. Yeah. Charming. And tormented because he, yeah. he does. There's but a he's just subplot, natural. yeah, a subplot of him in his crisis of faith that he's going. And his through. mother's, yeah, dead. his mother's dying. Yeah, um, and then I think we're around the part where, which I think is actually the scariest part of the movie, where they take her to the hospital to get her checked out. I got a whole part written about that, man. Oh Fuck. yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into it, man. Um, so you, you had asked me, like, what's the scariest movie that I ever saw as a kid? Yes, which is what this whole lead up to episode 100, 101 yeah. is. And for me, it's The Exorcist. It yes. is the scariest movie I saw. I saw it when I was in kindergarten. How old was I? I saw it, the first time I saw it was in theaters when they did the re-release for the version you haven't seen. Right. So was that like 01, 02, something like that? I think, Maybe 99. Yeah. It might have been 99. Yeah. Those towers were still standing. It was 99. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was simpler times. Yeah. Um, so I saw it for the first time in theaters. I I did not. I saw it on, I think it was HBO. We had cable. Ooh, a little rich boy over here. We weren't rich. <laughs> we just, mom was <laughs> spending all the weed money from selling weed yeah. to pay for cable. Right. Um, or you get those free weekends every now yeah, and then. Yeah, but I was living in Rensselaer, Indiana at the time. Uh, I was in kindergarten. And like I, I mentioned this in the past, that my mom was a very free-spirited woman. Yeah. And she would let me and my brother do whatever but she would also be like yeah but whatever you do there's always consequences yeah you gotta accept those consequences no yeah. matter what it's a great way to raise somebody and um it is actually uh it builds accountability it does um so i i think i saw a commercial for the exorcist and i mean i grew up in a, a listen to the christian episode that we did yeah. about christ i have some christian background also the exorcist has one of the best trailers I don't remember the trailer, but it's a great trailer. 
coming soon to rent on video. Something beyond comprehension is happening to a little girl on this street, in this house. A man has been sent for, as a last resort, to try and save her. <laughs> Have to rewatch it. Yeah. Um, so my mom was like, "Yeah, you want to watch it on HBO? That's fine. You can watch it." She's like, "But she knew what was in the movie." She's like, "But it's gonna fuck you up if you get scared. <laughs> if you get scared. You're not sleeping in my bed. Yeah. You have to sleep in your own bed. Yeah. And of course, she was right. I was fucking terrified mm -hmm. of my bed. And I, I, I stayed awake as long as I could until I just passed out from exhaustion yeah. of trying to stay awake. But yeah, I mean, so I saw it in kindergarten. Wow. Probably not a great time to see it as a kid. No, I, I think I saw Hellraiser around that age. Mm, okay. Which kind of fucked me up as well. But going back to why this movie's scary, there's obviously the demonic possession, right? Yeah, do do possession movies kind of do that for you? Do they freak you out in, in ways? No, not really, no. This one did differently, and that's because how they handled it. Yeah. But there are two things in this movie that scare me. One is the possession... Or say, or I should say that scared me as a kid. One yeah. is the possession, and that is the idea that you know you can run away from Jason. You know you could run away from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just fucking book it, book it away, man. Yeah. You can't run away from a demon that wants to possess you. Yeah, it's, I guess not. Maybe I've always looked at it the wrong way because I've yeah. always been like, you got a possessed person coming at you. I've never actually thought about the idea of me, the yeah, one being. Possessed. That's what scared me. Yeah. The other thing that scared me because I don't believe in demons. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Could be trans-dimensional beings from another universe. I'm just saying. Yeah, but on the on the flip side, though, if you got a possessed person coming at you, you're just like, well, one, the devil only possesses old people and little girls. Right. <laughs> so you just, you just kind of push that over and walk exactly. away. Yeah. Anywho, what was your other thing? The other thing that scared me in this film was the medical scene. It's the scariest part of the whole movie. It really is. Um, and if you... It's got this just, like, abrasive, loud oh, noises. God, yeah. And uh, it's very... It's, it comes off as very anatomical and medically accurate. It is, and that is what is frightening. And if, if anybody out there is listening to this have not seen it, what we're referring to is they uh, show a procedure called a cerebral angiography. Yeah. And I'm going to read a quote from Friedkin. Friedkin said in 2015, quote, Medical science impinging upon the innocence of this little girl, which is more disturbing than the demon. A lot of people say that this actually is the most frightening scene in the entire film. Yeah. And it's because they show an actual medical procedure, not just something made up for a movie. It's, yeah. a, it's a legitimate yeah. medical procedure. And the way it's showcased is uh, it, 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 there's, there's no fancy music over it. It's literally just, this is what happens when you go into a hospital. Yeah. And they have to insert a needle into your artery that's in your neck. Yeah. And then the whole point of this uh, angiography is they take a needle, they insert it into your artery. 
and then they have to put a catheter into that needle and then pump dye in. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a little a little span of time between inserting the needle and then inserting the dye in, and during that time, blood is just shooting You're just out. Bleeding out. Yeah. Yeah, and it shoots out in the rhythm of your heartbeat, and and um, Ugh. it's gross because. Yeah. It's something that everybody can relate to because at some point, every single one of us has to go to the hospital or a doctor. Right. Whereas, like the de- like you don't believe in demon possession, yeah. So it's not gonna fucking scare you. No. But how That's do you? a good f- point. Yeah, yeah. But you've been to the hospital. A couple of times. Yeah, we've all been to the hospital. Um, I had that same like arterial spray oh. to the to the blood pump. Yeah. When I when I cut my my leg with that machete. Yeah. It was weird. It's uh it's rough. Yeah. That scene is not only frightening, but it's queasy to watch. There's and, also a murderer in the scene. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get to that one, too. I wanted yeah. to read one more thing. I was reading an article, uh, and I think I just snagged this from Wikipedia just for, um, t- you know, so I don't want to plagiarize. This sure, is from sure, Wikipedia. Sure. In a 2021 article in the History of the Human Sciences, Amy C. Chambers of Manchester Metropolitan University similarly observed that, quote, Regarding that scene that yeah. we're talking about, quote, the medical space is made spectacular and horrific in The Exorcist, not through the presentation of Reagan's behavior or the demon, but through the clinical nature of her treatment and how this is communicated through shots and sounds. It is stark reality. It is. Uh, she also goes on to quote a Finnish media professor, Franz Ilka Maria. Nailed it. I first don't know. try. Yeah. Got it first try. I know on how the scientific suggests a spiritual here. Good and, on you for not doing a Swedish chef thing. I, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, Franz said, quote, the violent movements and noises of arteriographic machinery reaches diabolical dimensions. Oh, that's great. Because you mentioned the sounds that you're hearing. Yeah. That's not that's not Foley work. That's the actual sounds of the machines. Yeah, I mean it is. Um, I read that uh, hospitals would show that scene to medical students. Oh saying, no shit! This is how you do it. Wow, that's this crazy. is how you perform a cerebral angiography. Wow, it's fucked up, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the procedures probably changed a little bit. Yeah, and the it machines has. have probably gotten quieter. The machines since, have gotten but... quieter. They don't go in through the artery of the neck now. Yeah. They go elsewhere. I'm not sure where, but no longer through the neck artery. Right. And I, I don't know if this is true. I was reading up about that scene, and I, I've seen two th- different things. One, that it was just, you know, filmed as is, and the other says that I saw was that it was filmed as is because they actually did an arterial mm. or cerebral angiographic yeah. to the actress Linda, Linda Blair. That's her actual blood pumping out. Oh. They actually performed it. Wow. On camera. Because those two guys that are working on her, the doctor yeah. and his assistant radiographer, yeah. those are actual doctors. Those, they're real people. They're yeah. real people. Yeah. So you're, you're seeing the actual blood yeah. shooting out from her artery. Right. Which is oh, disgusting. Yes. And then the other disgusting thing that you... <laughs> that the you, assistant killed some people. The elephant in the room. Yeah. The radiographer assistant that's yeah. doing this. Yeah. His name is Paul Bateson. Yeah. Actual radiographer. Actual murderer. Yeah. Suspected serial killer. Yes. Never proven that he was a serial killer. No, no. Um, they never got, I don't think they ever got the, the, the total from him. I uh, got some here. I wrote. Yeah. I, wrote, I did. I went all out, man. Yeah. Tell me about this, this fucking monster. Yeah. Paul Bateson. And if you're curious, he's the guy that has a goatee in the movie and he's got like a leather wrist cuff. And he's the one talking to Reagan. 
Yeah. Or, yeah. Leather wrist cuff. Leather wrist cuff. Interesting. Wait, I got a leather wrist cuff. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, Paul Bateson, actual radiographer. Yeah. Uh, he would frequent the leather bars of New York. Mm-hmm. And while there, he met a person by the name of Addison, Addison Virill. And I should point out, Paul Bateson was very good at his job. Yeah. That's why Friedkin picked him, because Friedkin went to a hospital prior to The Exorcist to look for people to be in the movie for that scene. Yeah. Saw this guy and was like, oh, he knows what he's doing. He's perfect. Ooh, yeah, he's the cream of the crop. Ooh, rising to the top, brother. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The doctors that worked with Paul... They all said, oh, he was the best radiographer ever. He knew what to do. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. He knew how to handle people. Yeah. He He, did all right. He (laughs) did. He did all right. Uh, While at the leather bars, he met a person by the name of Addison Virill, who was a reporter who covered the film industry for Variety. Variety was huge. So this reporter was kind of famous. Yeah. And... uh, so he, he, he met this person. They got together at, these ga- at, the, at the leather bar. They drank a lot. They did a lot of cocaine. They did some poppers. Yeah. As you do. As was the style of the time. As you do. And then they, all, they went back to uh, Addison's apartment where they had some more cocaine, some more drinks, and then they fucked each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end of that, Addison was like, yeah, that's fun. That's cool. I'll see you later. You know? Uh, Paul Bateson was very drunk because he was an alcoholic. Yes. He could not handle the rejection. A little Dahmer-esque. He, yeah, he basically pulled the Dahmer. Yeah. He took a frying pan and smacked Addison in the head. Yeah. And then took a knife and killed him. A reporter covered uh, the murder because at that time, the police did not care about the gay community. No, they really don't no, still. They, they still don't, but yeah. even in the, in the 70s, it was it was worse. They just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So Arthur Bell was a gay activist and a journalist who decided to write about the murder, mm. to get it out there. Yeah. And in doing so, uh, he insinuated in the article that the murderer was most likely a psychopath, and here's my number if anybody has any info. Huh. You know? Well... He ended up getting an anonymous call from somebody who claimed to be the murderer, who wanted to correct him on his article. Oh, yeah, they always got an ego, don't they? Yes, they do. The caller said, quote, I like your story, and I like your writing, but I'm not a psychopath. Mm. And then he went on to detail the murder, and he went on to not admit who he was, but he did say things like, I can't turn myself in because if I do, I'll lose my license. Ah. Uh, Didn't say a license for what? Sure, sure. But that narrows it down. It does narrow it down. It's either medical or a lawyer. Yep. <laughs> so Arthur yeah. Bell called the police and said, this killer called me. Yeah. And the police said, well, that's the best lead we got. So we'll stake your phone out because he's probably going to call you again. Right. Second call happened. And the second caller was a guy named Mitch. Hi, everybody. My name's Mitch. And he called to say, uh, I, I know who killed Addison. Ah. Yeah, it's a guy named Paul Bateson because he told me that he killed this person. Man, they always got an ego. And he, he's, a, he's a radiographer for the hospital. And at that point, the police were like, radiographer who needs a license. Yeah. All right. So they just went to Bateson's apartment and they just arrested him on the spot. And they said, do you know why we're arresting you? And he basically said, yeah. yeah. And then just just admitted to it that's crazy uh he got 20 years in jail yeah i think he got out at 15 though i think he got paroled five years earlier that's insane 
I for think. murder. Or 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 it was he served the full twenty and was only on parole for five years after that. Yeah. I can't remember. Still, he's he got out. Yeah, he intentionally murdered somebody and didn't go for life and got out in, yeah. in a short time. That's insane. While in jail, yeah, he confessed to fellow inmates that he killed other people and was known as the the perpetrator of the the bag murders. Mm. The bag murders was a series of gay murders that took place in New York. Yeah. I think it was five or six people that were found in the Hudson, uh, dismembered and cut apart in bags. Yeah. Bateson admitted to that, but they couldn't ever prove that he was the guy that did it. Right, right. But in examining those murders, uh, the bodies were cut with surgical precision and... They were disposed of in medical disposal bags that just so happened to be the same hospital Ugh. that he worked at. Yeah. That's chilling. So, Paul Bateson most likely was the serial killer. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I'll say he probably was. No, he probably he, was. He was, the, he was the murderer. He convicted. killed one guy. Yeah. And that you, we know of. And you could watch him in The Exorcist. Yeah. Being nice to Reagan. And uh, all that shit came out, and William Friedkin was like, Wait, what? Yep. <laughs> Wait, yeah. hold on now? That? There's a movie there. There is a movie in there. Which leads me to my second uh, secret sequel to The Exorcist, which mm-hmm. is Cruising. Cruising! Starring Al Pacino. Who likes leather? Which is vaguely based on uh, those murders. Uh, Pacino plays what an undercover cop that, yeah. that goes into the the gay scene to try to the, find this the guy gay leather bars of New York. Um, yeah, I mean that that just kind of points to how crazy William Friedkin is that he was like, "There's a movie in yep. that," <laughs> um, and it's weird that it is it is directly related to The Exorcist. It is uh, it's a fascinating cinematic universe. <laughs> fascinating. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, after that, Reagan goes home, and then shit starts to hit the yeah. fan. We get all those beats that happened with with, uh, with old Rodo there. Yeah, with old Roland Doe. Uh, the writing yep, nope. in, the, in the skin. Yep. Well, the puking of the, the pea soup. Pea porch hot, baby. Yeah. Um, um, you mentioned how Friedkin's an asshole? Very much so. Pea porch soup, baby. So, that scene when they practiced it with Father Karras. Yeah. Um... They told him, you know, there's a, there's a tube in Reagan's mouth that'll spit out this soup, right? Yeah. And it's going to hit you in the chest, so Whoops. it's fine. Yeah. Um, they actually aimed it for his face, but they didn't yeah, tell yeah, him. Yeah. Well, they, I mean... Because Friedkin wanted... He the, wanted the reaction. He wanted the reaction. Yeah. Exactly. Also, like, the, the, the makeup effects by Dick Smith whoop, whoop. are, like, so insanely good. Yes. Um... They shot it on a refrigerated set so you could get the breath. Right. You know, when I was watching it last night, because uh, I hadn't seen it in a few years, and yeah. I thought, fuck. That You're not look- like me. You don't just watch it every year. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, but when they're in Reagan's room and she's possessed and they're doing the exorcism, the first Your thing I... Your hunting daughter. Yeah. Oh, I love saying that. <laughs> I will quote that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you can see the breath because it's so cold. And my first thought is, that would just be CGI now. They would never right. they would never do that, but that's yeah. an actual breath, so I had to look it up and yeah, they refrigerated set. A refrigerated set that got it down to I think twenty degrees. Yeah. Um, they could only shoot scenes for three minutes at a time. Yeah. Because otherwise they'd freeze freeze to death. Right. Also, uh, Linda Blair who played Reagan, she was just in her little under robe. Yeah. So And I mean she was like 
she was a young girl. Yes. Yeah, all all the all the Dick Smith um, makeup and appliances are like next level shit. Yeah, you know how I uh, an example of that is Max von S- Max, Max von, von Sydow. <laughs> yeah, who played Father Maris? Yeah, you think he's an old man? He wasn't an old man. He was thirty years younger in yeah. real life. Um, <laughs> my, I did not know that he was not old in that movie. Yeah, I was when I saw Flash Gordon, which came out just a few years later. Right, and I saw him as Ming the Merciless. I was like. No, yeah. that's probably his son playing Ming the Merciless, and right. his dad probably played Father Maris. And I was like, no, it's the same name. And like me seeing him in '99, I didn't put all that shit together because the old age makeup is so flawless. Yeah, you're just like this guy's just been an old man forever. He's yeah. like Morgan Freeman. They He's even have been in the his old 50s. age makeup on his hands too. Yeah, right. And I. I, I was reading about that, and somebody, uh, a reviewer of the film at the time, um, or a few years later, said that it's a shame that the Academy Award did not have a, 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 an award for effects at that time, because right. if they had, Dick Smith would have won just for what he did on Max von Sydow. Yeah. Because even time. when I watched it last night on, you know, High Def HBMO Max. It still looks good. I was like, fuck, you can't, it does not look like latex appliances. He looks like an old man. Yeah, I mean, he looks the way he looked in Star Wars. Yes, yes, he does in The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, it's that's yeah, that fucked me up too in a good in a, in a good way. Just because <laughs> yeah. like I could not believe it. I mean, I've seen plenty of old age makeup where you can tell that those are latex appliances, but right. not not in the case of this. Yeah, Dick Smith did an amazing job. R.I.P. Because he's he's passed. He he has unfortunately. Um... Um, yeah, The Exorcist is one of those interesting films, much like Stripes, where nobody actually knows how it ends. Because <laughs> in your brain, you're just up in that room, you're doing The Exorcist, uh, The Exorcism. Uh, Father Karras is like, take me, take me. Well, because the Reagan demon... killed, Reagan kills yeah. Father Max von Sydow. Right, right. Uh, goes into his body, he jumps out, falls down the stairs, breaks his neck, and yep. then you're like, end of movie. Yep. But there's still like 20 goddamn minutes after that. There, there is, There's some <laughs> stuff. And I remember, so, and this is what I want to talk, this leads into how much of an asshole Friedkin is. Yeah. Here's a story for you. So There's a few stories. There are. So yeah, Father Karras tells the demon, you know, take me! And the demon jumps into him, jumps out the window, falls down the stairs, his neck is snapped, he's yep. bleeding all over. That scene, by the way, is kind of chilling because the blood in that movie looks pretty realistic to it's me. It's real. It, they actually threw him down some stairs. Yeah, it doesn't look like stage blood. <laughs> yeah. But he's laying at the bottom of the stairs and a crowd gathers. Uh, one of his priest buddies, the piano playing priest who was yeah. at the party. Yeah. Uh, who he, shows up at the very end of the movie. Yeah, too. but he goes over to Father Karras and is like looking so s- shocked and solemn and yeah. sad and and like he's holding his hand and saying do you have any sins you want to confess you know and you can see father Karras is still alive yeah. he's slowly squeezing his hand yeah so what freaking did for that scene oh to get the actual look of shock on that other father's face i can't remember his character's name father piano man um <laughs> father piano man yes freaking was not happy with his performance because mm. he couldn't feel the the sadness and the shock at what had just happened so freaking walked up to him on set and just slapped the shit out of him. Oh. 
just slapped him across the face. Father Dyer? Father Dyer. I like Piano Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, slapped him across the face, which huh. shocked everybody, Yeah. including Father Dyer, and freaking says, that's how I want you to act. So the shock that you see on his face in that scene Man. is because he just got the shit slapped out of him by Friedkin. Yeah. The funny thing is, like, that could not happen nowadays. If a director slapped no. anybody, they'd be fired. But it might have made it better. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I... that's, it's weird, man. It's like the, the thing with Stanley Kubrick. Oh, God. And, like, Shelley Duvall, you know? Yeah. Where you're like, Dude, you did not need to abuse this woman that much. For 121 takes or however, I don't know. But it might have made it better. Did it? <laughs> I mean, it is one of my favorite horror films. Yeah, I don't know. And it is a really good performance on her part. At the very least, he did not ever slap her. No, no, it was just mental abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of mental abuse, uh, another thing Freakin did um, to also get the look of shock on some people's faces. Yeah. Like there's a scene where Father Karras like, turns around and is, and is shocked. Uh, to get that freaking had a gun on set that he didn't, oh. t- he didn't tell anybody about. Oh. So when nobody was looking, he just shot it. Boom! Wow. And then when people turned around, I got it. Got the shot. Wow. Shot. See, that's, that's dangerous shit. Shot for shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's what the story of, uh, is that Ellen Burstyn? Oh, Getting fuck, ripped on the, on the line at two instead of three and it like fucked up her back right? yeah she, and they use that scene in the movie it's in the movie it's when uh oh we didn't talk it's when about she slaps her to the wall and then the, after she's uh, masturbating with the cross yeah she, she, yeah fuck me fuck me um <laughs> yeah reagan's is just going at it yeah just getting it that crucifix down in that saw that movie with my dad in the yeah. theater <laughs> Dad, what is she doing? Nah, we don't. We learned. I okay. learned not to just ask questions okay. about things. Okay. You just kind of go with it. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and she throws her mom uh, against the wall. But yeah, they had her rigged up with a rope. Yeah, it was a, it was a pole line. I mean, they use them in stunts constantly. Yeah. And she broke her, her, well, her butt bone, her coccyx. Yeah. And it didn't heal properly. And she was actually on crutches for weeks after because yeah. she couldn't walk right. Yeah. Um, again, that... Nowadays, they would use a stunt person. Yeah. Or, well, I, wh- whoever they would use nowadays, they would also use padding on them because she had no padding. Yeah. They just threw her against the wall. Pretty much. And Didn't fil- even throw her. They pulled her they against pulled her, the yeah. wall. Yeah. And filmed it. And that's in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. When she's screaming in pain, that's real. It's uh, It's a film. It is one of the best films. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is uh... It is unfortunately one of the best films ever made. Yeah. Um, let's go back to that yeah. whole masturbation. Yeah. Who likes masturbating? We all do. Everyone. Um, <laughs> when they were going to cast Reagan, because they knew what they were going to have to do. Yeah. They knew this girl was going to have to masturbate and say things like, Yeah, cunting, daughter. Yeah. Um, actually, casting Reagan, again, the studio were like, We need A-list actors, you know? Uh, I looked it up. Jodie Foster? No, this one surprised me. Denise Nickerson was considered for the role. Hmm. She played Violet Beauregard in Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, she read the script and her family read the script and they were like, no way. Fuck no. No way. No way. No way. Uh, and then this one also got me. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, was yeah. Was considered. I knew that one. But her mother, Janet Lee, was like, no way. Yeah. Read the script and was like, this is not, not going to happen. 
Uh, they ended up meeting. She would have been too old for that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They met Linda Blair. She had only done like one commercial, I think, at yeah. that time. Um, Linda Blair and her mom just walked into the auditioning. They didn't have an appointment through an agency. They just kind of showed up. Mm. And But when they saw Linda Blair, they immediately noticed that she was, quote, smart, but not precocious, cute, but not beautiful, a normal, happy 12-year-old girl, end quote. Yeah. And I think that's right. Cause She's like, perfect casting. She looks just like a normal child. Yeah. Like nowadays, I know they're doing a new Exorcist coming out, right? David Gordon Green. Okay, well, and it doesn't matter. Pretty much all horror movies, all movies in general, they always have to have the shining starlet who's like yeah. a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I'm not saying Linda Blair's ugly, but she just looks like your average person. Yeah. Which is perfect for this. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of a problem with movies in general now, is that people don't have like, dis- like distinct faces anymore. No, they don't. Like, all... I feel like in the 70s, people would be like, that guy looks fucking weird. Let's yeah. put him in front of a camera. Yeah. <laughs> Let's throw some lights on that thing they and did. see what it does. Well, fuck, they did that with Michael Berryman. They are yeah. like, that dude looks fucking weird. Let's put him in movies. Yeah. Um, but when they cast Linda Blair, they said, this was a, this had to be an awkward conversation. I don't know if it was Friedkin or one of the producers it said. It was probably Friedkin. Let's yes, be probably. <laughs> William Peter Blatty didn't have this conversation with someone. Uh, said, so you read the script. And she's like, yes. You read the book, yes. And, she, and they're like, do you know what masturbation is? They asked mm. her, do you know what masturbation is? And she's like, yes, that's when you touch yourself. And then fucking Friedkin asked her, have you ever done that? Oh, I think that's crossing the line. Probably, yeah, it's yeah. crossing the line. But Linda Blair was like, "Hell yeah, brother!" I can't remember if she, if she answered it. No, that was, she stone colded it. She, I know she <laughs> laughed about it, and then asked him, "Don't you?" Ah, that's fun, man. She's good. She was good. She's good. They said that as far as her involvement in the film. Um, you would think a child would be traumatized. She actually wasn't. From what I read, after the, each take of a scene was cut, she would just giggle about what they did. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the complete, strangely, the complete opposite of the kid from The Shining. Oh, yeah. Because, like, he didn't even know he was making a horror no. movie. Yeah. No, she, yeah. Uh, Linda Blair knew what she was making, but it was just funny for her. But Side note, you ever seen Savage Streets? No. With Linda Blair? No. It's basically Death Wish, but... oh. With- I know what you're talking about, but it's I have not seen awesome. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like one of those angel movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Those that, they, that was, a, there was a certain time when those came out. Those were awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we don't make prostitute, prostitute, prostitute vengeance movies films? anymore. No. We don't no. really make revenge movies anymore no. either. Um, the masturbation scene, I did find out that they hired a body double for her. Yes. Eileen Dietz, who was also... Yes. The face Captain of Paz- Howdy. Captain Howdy. She was the face of Pazuzu. Pazuzu. But Friedkin did not want to use her very much because he wanted people to see Reagan yeah. the whole time. Because yeah. if you throw in a body double, it, it takes you out of that moment. Yeah. But they did use her for the masturbation scene. When you can't see her face and she's stabbing her crotch, that's Eileen Dietz. Eileen Dietz is a regular on the horror convention circuit these days, too. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've heard, she's very nice. Oh, yeah. I've never met her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much the movie, right? Yeah. A couple other things I wanted to mention. The ending's talking... weird. Yeah. You know what? The ending is weird because 
the detective shows up and then he meets Father Dyer and he's like, you like to see movies? Yeah. And then they become fast friends. Friends. It's like, realistically, somebody should go to jail because Reagan killed Father Maris. Yeah. And also killed her mother's boyfriend. They mentioned that they yeah. knew she threw him out the window and broke his neck. Yeah. So you it, have two murders. The movie should really end when when Father Karras dies. Right, yeah. It's got a weird end. Leave it up to the person to def- to figure out what's going to what's yeah. going to happen. Um, we were talking about Dick Smith earlier. Uh, the late great, late great special effects master Dick Smith. So um, he and another special effects guy built the head spinning Reagan. Yeah. Uh, oh, Marcel Vercouter. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he and Marcel built a life size version of Reagan, so that her head could spin around. Yeah. You know? Well, they decided, let's see how realistic it is. Like, can this fool people? Mm. So they took the doll, they put it in a taxi cab on the streets of New York, and they just let it sit there until yeah. there was enough people around, and then they had the head spin around backwards just to ah, see if people... That's great. And obviously, it freaked people out. Oh, so the, yeah. they were like, it's in. It's yeah, good. Yeah. The only thing that they added to the doll was um, they added, uh, I think, a, a balloon so that the chest would move so it looked like it's breathing. That's fucking genius. And then they added a tube into the throat to pump out air, because remember, the room is refrigerated, yeah. so that it would look like she was actually breathing. That's insane. Yeah. Like, that's shit that I wouldn't even think of. Doing. Yeah. Oh, it's all practical effects, you know? Got to figure them. it out. God damn it. That's so good. <sighs> it's a real bummer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know. And, and the writing on, on her stomach yeah. helped me. Yeah. So I, that was a practical effect, too. And, like, when you're watching the film, the writing does appear on her stomach. Like, it raises. Yeah. yeah. So, what they did was they made... Put uh, bladders? No, no. They So, I didn't know that this happens. Uh, I'm not into special effects as much as other people are. But they, it was, a, it was a, a latex stomach, mm. you know. And then they scratched the words, help me, into, yeah. into the chest. It was puffy. And then, I don't know what the heat source was. It may have been a heat gun. But they use a heat source to heat the stomach up. And the heat causes the latex to go back down. To shrink, yeah. To shrink. So they filmed that and then just played it in reverse. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, again, practical effect. It looks awesome. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Um, so, like, how... You don't watch the movie nearly as much as I do. No. Um, I assume it's still... It's The Exorcist. It still holds up for you, right? It does. Um, I it... also like the, the, the unrated director's cut version as well with both the, are with both spi- are just as good yeah, the spider walk downstairs yeah. yeah it's it's and i think that one has little pazuzus hidden in it yeah as well yeah there's a i think a pazuzu subliminal in the kind kitchen. of shit. yeah yeah um it's yeah it's fine i'm okay with it um but i i think overall the movie as a whole holds up yeah i like it and the reason it scares me so much is because i was reading about the music the soundtrack yeah tubular bells tubular bells is a song and I think it's only in it twice, at yeah. the beginning and near the end. Other than that, there is hardly any music throughout that entire movie. Yeah. So, and I, I like that because I think about if you have too much music, it takes away from the story. It takes you out of the story. Yeah. You know, sometimes less is more. Right. And in this case with The Exorcist, you don't hear a lot of music to distract you. Like when, when uh, her mother is hearing rats in the upstairs and when shit starts going crazy yeah. there's no eerie music stabs no there's nothing you're just left with the sounds of the possession and whatever's happening in the room that scene in the attic is like maybe the second scariest scene in the movie ah uh, yeah yeah when she's looking for the rats and the fire and the candle yep. goes up yep. yeah it's great 
Um, There's another hidden Pazuzu up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the minimal music, I think, adds to it. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that I love about it, and I, I talked to you about this regarding Poltergeist, all the lighting in the movie is... It, they did use, like, set lighting, but they made it so that it looks like natural lighting. Yeah. It's not diffused lighting like we see in movies nowadays where everything is lit. Right. Uh, when they filmed the scenes in Reagan's bedroom, they only used the natural lighting from the lamps. And it's very blue. It is. Which makes it feel colder. Yeah. It's yeah. cold. It's stark. It almost looks black and white. Yeah. Uh, the only color that you can actually see is the color of the faces, the skin. Yeah. Which yeah. overemphasizes Reagan's... Makes the green look greener. Yeah. Too. So they used essentially natural lighting to create yeah. a natural feel. So it, it, it almost uh, invites you into it. Into yeah. the story, yeah. essentially. Um, so that, like I mentioned, the fact of demon possession is something you can't run away from. Yeah. Scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> Scared the fuck out of me. Also um, that medical scene. Yeah. I I saw it last in theaters at the Skyline Drive-In last year. Nice. Um, fun fact, I've actually seen The Exorcist in theaters more than I've seen it at home. That's cool. I think I've seen it about six times in theaters now. Okay. I've seen it more at home than at theaters. I, I did see the special version in the theater. It's not even something I'm, like, searching out. Right. Yeah, it's, it's just every now and then, every other year, some theater's like, hey, we're showing The Exorcist. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I got the day off. It's just Captain Howdy, man. <laughs> Want you? He wants you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fun fact. Got to tie it in. Hit me. Because wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Bray Wyatt. Of WWE, who used to be the Fiend. Yeah. Um, he's got a new character called Captain Howdy. Oh man. And he basically dresses up like a Bayou ghost. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I love that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. I hope he fights like uh, a Father Karras figure. I hope there's That'd a wrestler great. who's a, like a father, a Catholic priest. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting back in. I'll figure it out. He's ba- that would basically be the guy from the Peter Jackson movie. I kick ash. Oh yeah. For, For the, the Lord. Lord. Yep. Yeah. How do you feel about the sequels? Have you seen any of them? Um. I did see the second one when I was a kid. It's very bad. I don't remember anything from it because I thought it was fucking awful. And I just James Earl Jones in that movie. I don't even know. Fuck I it. think he is. But I the third one I've seen, the Which third is one is awesome. It's good. Yeah. It's got Brad Dorf. Yes. Who is awesome? George C. Scott. George C. Scott. Who is it, also awesome? It has I think his name's Scott Walker, who played yeah. Herschel in Walking Dead as yeah. the paranoid doctor. Yeah. The chain smoking paranoid doctor. Uh, Fabio, he's in it. Yes. In, yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, forgot about that. Uh, but it just has some great ambiance. And I mean, directed by William Peter Blatty. Yep. And I, I mean, should I spoil it for everybody who hasn't seen The Exorcist 3? If you've come this far, probably. Yeah, I don't know. Spoil it. We might do an episode. Yeah, on you find point. out that uh, Father Karras is uh, he's still around. Yeah. And he's not how he used to be. No. So. Um, and then the two after that, nobody's seen. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> there's, I don't remember. There's Exorcist the Beginning, and there's Dominion. Nope. The Exorcist. Nah. Which are weird because they're the same movie re-edited. Okay. That's just a cash grab. I think it was one of those uh, uh, Eric Stoltz situations where they finished oh. the movie and were like, it's not up to our standards. So they got another director to come in, add some shit, and then they re-edited it okay. and re-released it a second time. Whatever. Whatever. I think it's interesting as an exercise. Sure. In like, 
you know, what a different point of view can be. Yeah. I've never seen them. I'm interested to see what this David Gordon Green shit's going to be all about. Yeah. It's going to make people angry, and I'm into that. Yeah, that's fine. I just... We're disruptors, me and David Gordon Green. Sure. I just want, like, authenticity. Like, there's an authenticity in this version. That's why I think it scares people so much. Yes. Like, Linda Blair looks like your average kid. Right. She doesn't look like an actress. No. The relationship between her and her mother, Ellen Bernstein feels real yeah they have you know like there's these conversations that they have in the film that just feel like your typical mundane conversation between a mother and a daughter yeah they're talking over each other yeah like it just feels natural exactly uh jason miller feels natural yep and i don't get any of that in pretty much any modern movies it's pretty rare that i get a natural feeling yeah of uh, yeah camaraderie um i will say this this is something i want to bring up this movie scared me very much as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't remember who I talked to, but I should point out, it scared me because I was raised uh, with Christian theology. Mm-hmm. So I knew about the devil, I knew about demons, I knew about possession, right? Or yeah. the idea of that. Yeah. So this idea that, oh, fuck, there is nothing that I can do to prevent this from happening frightened me. Uh, I talked to somebody who saw The Exorcist for the first time who was never raised... I, I can't remember who it was that I fucking talked I to. I mean, I'm this sorry. sounds like me. Could be you. <laughs> but it probably wasn't. But, no, it, it wasn't you. But they weren't religious. Yeah. And they watched it, and they were just like, yeah, it's fine. They didn't get scared. They didn't see any value in the movie whatsoever. Oh, yeah. No, I don't I don't have that. Yeah. So I just wonder, like, is The Exorcist... As scary as it is, or is it only scary because of your preconceived notions that you right. were raised with? I don't know, man. Because it was like, I feel like for the longest time, and even now, you'll get like, you know, like something new will come out. Like, sure. Like Barbarian. And, and then you'll get news blurbs that are like, it's the scariest movie right. since The Exorcist. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's almost heralded as the like Citizen Kane of horror movies. It's the scariest movie ever made. I don't, know. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Yeah. I don't know what the scariest movie ever made is. And as I was talking to Chase about about this very topic of like movies don't scare me anymore and I haven't for a long time. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what this series is about is like I want to be afraid by movies, but yeah. they just aren't. You know when I was watching it last night? Yeah, I mean, I already know what's happening in the movie. I've seen it, but yeah. when I was watching it last night, were you getting tense? When she, the first time that she that Reagan screams and the mother runs upstairs and she's being thrown on the bed back yeah. and forth, yeah, I got goosebumps. I was yeah? like, "Fuck!" Yeah, I, I went back to that place of being a kid and I actually got goosebumps. Yeah, and then during the hospital scene when her artery is spurting blood, I was like, yep. "Fuck! <laughs> God damn it! No!" Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I can get grossed out, but I just don't get I don't get scared by movies anymore. Yeah. So I'm curious. Listeners, if you're out there, let me know. Do you think The Exorcist is scary? Yeah. Are you only still scared of it because of nostalgia? I, I'm I'm curious. I don't know. Like yeah. how how do how do movies hold up over time? Like, you know. Yeah, it's it's it'd be interesting to get someone's fresh take and, and see it from a, a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, actually i would love it if somebody out there has never seen the exorcist and you are religious watch it let us know and also for the uh for the scientific experiment we have to have the other side if you are not the control (laughs) if you are not religious if you're an atheist watch it and let let us know i'd love to to see the contrasting views yeah i i feel like when i saw it i didn't 
I only had that preconceived notion of the scariest movie of all time, sure. and it made me feel a little disappointed um, the first time I saw it, because it wasn't that that scary to me. Yeah. But I still can uh, enjoy the, the technical aspect, the filmmaking side of it, right. the acting. Like, everything about it is, like, A-tier. Oh, yeah. S-tier. A-tier with no A-tier actors. Yeah. Which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a rarity. Um, I mean, it is scary. It's creepy. But yeah. it, the, the demonic side of it just doesn't do anything for me. Sure. You know, that's how I feel about some Metallica albums, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. can listen to it. Like, I, I'm not really a fan of it. But I can respect it. Mm. You know? Like St. Anger? Maybe not St. Anger. <laughs> what about Lulu? Definitely not Lulu. I tried. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't get past thirty seconds, man. I was like, I, I can't do it, man. That's I'm about sorry. as far as I made it, too. Yeah, I couldn't. I was do doing it. my Lou Reed. I, mean, I fucking love Lou Reed, but this. Yeah. I love Metallica, but fuck. Yeah, it's not good. Fuck. Um, I just wanted to yell at Metallica. Your hunting daughter. <laughs> Look what she did. So, so now's the time where we promote. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. What uh? What date will this? This will be coming out on the sixth. We're gonna do the promo with the Rodo. Yeah, mm, June, June sixth. That's when this is coming out. I don't know. You got anything for the people? I do got stuff for the people. Yeah, tell I the got people. St- I got stuff for the people. What's up, world? Can I get a Rodo? Rodo, indeed. Yeah. Actually, I would love it if I say, can I get a Rodo? And people just go, Conting daughter! <laughs> you know? uh, I do. Actually, I got some fun news here. So, going to balance it out. Yes, I got to move out of my house. Yeah. I live in, currently live in Champaign, Illinois. I have to pack up and move. Got to dismantle the studio that I just got up and running. Yeah. But I am moving to Indianapolis, Indiana. Coming back home to Indiana, baby, where the bigots are. Actually, Indiana's, Indianapolis is pretty good. I mean, there's bigots everywhere. There's bigots everywhere. There's bigots but, everywhere. Yeah, I no. thought you were going to do the WCW thing and say where the big boys play. Oh, no. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm a disappointment. Maybe next time. Yeah. Uh, and time. I am moving in here into your house. Yeah, I got room. Yeah, so I'm gonna. you're going to let me have some studio space. So I will uh, be able to make stuff again shortly. But, Whole house. I don't give a fuck. Uh, so one thing is, though, I actually booked, already paid for, two conventions. Yeah. I have booked... Uh, Horror Hound. August. Slash Mask Fest. Yes, it is August. I forget the date. It's mid-August, late August, but it's here in Indianapolis. I love Horror Hound. It's one of my favorite conventions because it's the horror convention and the mask convention. So you you can see the horror. You can see the horror actors and actresses, the horror vendors, and then you see the masks. Yeah, don't don't spend all your money over there. Fuck, I'm going to... (laughs) Well, here's the best part. All the masks that I want sell out before they even open. So I'm not going to have a chance. You're you're like me in that regard where you're you're like... I'll spend money on Sunday. If I have the money. If I got it. And then I already know uh, Pete, who is the devil's workshop, who has yeah. masks that I want, he will sell out before the show opens. So I'm not going to get mm. any of the shit. That's fine. You should take this recorder and do a little interview oh, yeah. with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, so I'm doing that. August. So come visit me at Horror Hound. And then also, in September, I have paid for a table at the Memphis Comic Expo down in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee, everybody. That is the first show you and I did together. Yeah, it's a good show. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It's it's just like, uh, 
Here's the thing. We've talked about comic conventions and how we don't want to do them. Listen to the State of the Scene episode. Yeah, because most comic cons are nothing more than pop culture conventions. They're watered down with interests in everything. And that's fine if you're yeah. interested in that. But from a business standpoint as an artist, anime and K-pop kids are not going to buy a print of Bela Lugosi. No. Uh, but the Memphis Comic Expo is different. I looked at their guest list and it's all comic artists and writers. Yeah. So I'm like, well, shit, it's a straight-up Comic-Con. Like, mm -hmm. old-school Comic-Con. Yeah. So I'm doing that one. So I got those two things booked, August and September. And I'm hoping to book something else down the line. You know, I got to see what's, see what's coming up. So, you know. Flashbacks in October. Flashback, that's right. I do. I would like to do Flashback in we Chicago. Could do that. For my Chi-Town homies up there. You Don't know, do that. Why you, you got You know. Things? Why you got to Hey, that? you know what I'm going to start saying online? <laughs> yeah. Smash that like button and subscribe. No. Fucking hate saying that. I'm not going to say it. I'll say it jokingly out of irony. <sighs> Jesus Christ. People just live your life. Don't smash that <laughs> like button. Come on. Don't smash anything. Yeah. Unless it's this course. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And why is that? Because course is a banquet in a bottle, baby. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about your day off. Mm -mm. <laughs> nah. I got to work up to that. Uh, so, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, I did a raffle on Instagram for the yeah, first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep that, those going. That was weird. <laughs> that shit was weird, man. That was weird. Yeah, I'll probably do that once a month. I'll raffle off one spray-painted head. Some of the heads will be like Nick... Uh, I almost said nickel and dime. Nick and dent. Nick and dent, yeah, because sometimes yeah. the resin doesn't... It doesn't cure properly, or there'll be like a piece of dust in it, but it's still a good head, so might as well just raffle that shit off, man. Right. You know? Fuck yeah. yeah. So I'll do another yeah. raffle next month. Hell yeah. Follow my, follow me on Instagram at epion5. It's just epyon5. Just look it up. I'm the only thing that shows up. It's fine. Um, Google them. Google them. Just, I'm the only thing that shows up. It's yeah. fine. And then uh, you know, hit that like button and subscribe. Would you quit it? <laughs> Would you fucking quit it? You know what? I'm gonna open up my second <laughs> bottle of Coors Christ. right now. You know why, Brian? Why? What is today? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, Brian. Yeah. You know what Tuesday is? No, tell me. Tuesdays are my day off. Man. Oh yeah. On my day off, I start drinking around noon. You don't get to interrupt that. It's 10.30. I should have started early. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, time, time's a flat circle. It Who knows? Is. It is. Um, oh, and I've grown a mustache. You yeah. might not know that. No, you can hear it. Sweet mustache now, folks. That's the wind passing through the whiskers. It's a filter. It's a built-in HEPA it's a filter, pop, it's a for your, filter for your face. Yeah. God damn it. It's so you don't even wear a mask anymore when you're spray painting? No. Never never started? Never, never. <laughs> got my HEPA filter built into my face. Bro. Yeah. Uh, what, are, what are things do I got going on? Nothing in June. <laughs> I got nothing in June. Yeah. If you're listening to this now, I just did Horror on Main. Yeah, you were working hard for that. And let's say it was good. I don't know. I haven't gone yet. I go this week. I hope it's good because you made a lot of stuff. God, I hope it's good. If it's not, eh, maybe I broke even. Well, if not, you'll have stuff for your next. I got show. a lot of shit yeah. left over. July, I've got a one-day show at Port Huron, Michigan, Frankenfest. Frankenfest. I think it's the twenty-fourth. Yeah, I know some other people that are going to be I there. I could be hmm. wrong about that date. Look it up. Um, it's a one-day show, so it's at a lighthouse. That's nice. pretty cool. Yeah, I. What else did I book? Ugh. I don't know. We'll update the Skyline. people. 
Oh yeah, Skyline. Skyline. Yeah, Skyline yeah. Driving. August. August. Two I, days in August. I think the week the before the Horror Hound, actually. It's either the week before or the week after. Yeah. It's really close to yeah. it. Uh, Frozen Frights. Uh, I think it's $25 for the full weekend, and you can camp out for free. See some movies, see some vendors. Dusk Till Dawn. And they serve breakfast at the concession stand. Mm. Um, I'm also about to book the Knoxville Punk Rock Flea Market. All right. In September. One day show, baby. September 16th, I believe. Yeah. So that's the that's the rest of the year so far. Sweet. Look at Ideally, us. I want to get two more. We're getting out there. Trying. Making it's hard. We're making friends. It's fucking hard to get out there. <laughs> we're not making friends. Come on. Because all these shows are still like booked from from COVID. I know. Days, yeah. You know. So. So I'm resorting to like new shows or I don't know shit I didn't do before. Exactly. Also, if anybody out there wants to donate any money to help me buy a car, that'd be cool. <laughs> I don't have a car. Right. Trying to save for a car. Do you have any idea how hard that is when you got nothing? Yeah. It's not easy. No, I know. I've I've lost everything three times now it's in my life. It's not easy. Uh, it's all right, though. Yeah. I got my mustache. And your course. And my course. Yeah. And my motorcycle boots. God damn it. You know, I posted a picture of myself recently. Yeah. Uh, wearing my motorcycle boots, my black denim pants, my denim vest, my mustache. This exact outfit you're wearing yeah. right now. And a friend of mine left me a comment that said, you look like Al Pacino from Cruising." Yeah. So I was like... Were you wearing the wrist? I, I was wearing my leather wrist cuff. Yeah. So uh, I will take that as a compliment. Really, I only bring that up because we talked about it. You're really clicking those boots around like you're uh, a fucking a kid in a Norman Rockwell painting waiting for a parade to pass by. What are you doing down I there? I always but... wait for a parade to pass by. <laughs> I love a good parade. I love uh, parade in Balloon Land. That's the best parade I've ever seen. God damn it. Yay, yay. <laughs> That's a deep cut there. Do you want to... Give them your outro. All right. right. Everybody, thank you for listening. This is actually a mashup episode. M3 with E5 talking about the real case of Roland Doe. And then we also got the Exorcist movie in depth, The Electric Monster. It wasn't that in depth. That was pretty in depth. We could go further in depth, but it was really good talk. We talked about Paul Bateson. That's fucked up. Yeah. Extremely. That's something that a lot of people don't know is that you're watching a murderer on screen. All right, so you know what uh, what old Jack Burton says in a time like this? Tschüss, auf Wiedersehen und bis später. Fucking nailed it. Fucking nailed it. Jack Burton was German. She did? Your canting daughter?